0: Hello and welcome to the Golf Shake podcast. My name is Kieran Clark, and this week I am joined by Golf Shake ambassador and our very own travel expert, Andrew Pickham. Welcome back to the podcast, Andy. How are you today?
1: Very well, thank you. Uh, basking in the sunny sunshine in Derbyshire. I understand that you've got similar weather up in St Andrews, so uh, it's great stuff.
0: We do indeed. And finally, summer has arrived. And uh, we certainly hope that everyone has been enjoying their golf so far this summer. It's uh, unquestionably a special time of year, Uh, not least because it ushers in the, the link season on the European Tour and golf more widely We've just had the Women's and Men's Amateur Championships at Royal County Down and Port Marnock, respectively, and we can now enjoy an unbroken stretch of seaside golf right through to the Women's British Open in August. But this week, the spotlight is on Lahinch Hinch Golf Club, which is the venue for this year's Irish Open, and it is known as the St Andrews of Ireland, and La Hinch is a quintessentially traditional links course natural, and visually spectacular. Located in a small seaside village on the Atlantic coast in County Clare, around just 45 minutes or so from Shannon Airport, near Limerick, Galway isn't far away either, They're the big towns in the nearby area. It's a lynx course that is buffeted and open to the elements of the Atlantic Ocean, which, if you ask me, only adds to the fun. And Andy, I know you would agree with that because you were recently there and you're going to talk to us a little bit about La Hinch on this week's podcast and delve into the history and the golf course and the setting and, and what makes this such a spectacular venue, one that Phil Mickelson has described as being one of his two favourite golf courses in the world alongside Augusta National, where, of course, he won the Masters three times. And that is certainly high praise. So, Andy, La Hinch Golf Club, you went there recently, you had the chance to go and experience that wonderful place, that classic kind of linksy seaside town and course. So just firstly, can you delve in a little bit to the story behind La Hinch, the history and what makes this a very special and historic venue?
1: Yeah, with the greatest of pleasure, because it certainly was a pleasure to be able to experience uh, La Hinch in all its glory, um as as people will see when they uh, they look at the article on the the online version of uh, of my review uh we experienced four four different weather seasons in the course of one round of golf which is <laughs> probably the first time that I've ever experienced that literally as we arrived we were in t-shirts and during the course of the round there was hailstones there was snow there was sideways rain uh, and then we finished the round in bright sunshine it was absolutely astonishing um, the fact that it had its own microclimate and that it was impacted in the way that it was um, the actual course itself has a phenomenal pedigree. Um, old Tom Morris of St. Andrews and global fame as um, featured in the film Tommy's Honour, no less. Um, he was engaged by the Black Watch, the Scottish regiment, uh, to come over to the land because they were operating in the area and they recognised that the the ruffled landscape um in the coastal area with these compacted sand dunes that have been there for tens of thousands of years would be absolutely perfect for the provision of a golf course. Um, And so old Tom Morris was asked to come over and he initially laid out the links uh, using feathers tied to sticks. Um, Now, how good would that have been? <laughs> to, have, to have, you know, time tr- if time travel existed, that's the sort of time that I would like to go back to, and he's the guy that I would want to shadow. <laughs> um, but then the development of the course has then been, in essence, the, the thinking behind the, uh, the people that's been involved in running the course. They've then engaged the world's leading architects in order to enhance and develop and improve the course with the lightest of touches. But um, Charles Gibson was involved. One of my personal favorites, as you well know, Kieran, Dr. Alistair McKenzie was brought in. And when McKenzie first arrived, Uh, and was asked to give his quotes. Uh, Although he was a marketing expert, a genius of his time, um, he's quoted as saying that Le Hinch will make the finest and most popular golf course that I, or I believe anyone else, ever constructed. Now, that's one hell of a statement to make, albeit the guy did go on to design Augusta National and a host of others and uh, some of my favorite golf courses ever in the world. But for him to recognise that, with the the intrinsic um, quality of the land that he was being given to play with, was just phenomenal. Uh, and then you've got the contemporary genius that is Dr Martin Hawtrey, uh, who's been brought in to add a little bit more playability to it, and his improvements and the adaptations that he's made on a couple of the holes are just simply phenomenal. So you've got the tradition, you've got the 1890s type of designs, and then it's brought right back up to date with some really quirky holes. Um, you, I can't think of any other venue of this quality that would... Um, encourage the use of four caddies and spotters and have holes that actually cross over each other because it it obviously slows play down. But in actual fact, they've adapted the layout um, to a point where it actually speeds up play because they'll have marshals positioned um, around the fourth. So you're aiming over a hillside where the shot is blind and you're going over another green. and, and they actually encourage the players to move through uh, at an adequate pace. And, and it's just, I'm rambling a bit now. This place <laughs> excited me. It really did excite me to have the opportunity uh, to knock it round. When, when somebody of the status of as Mickelson puts this in his top two courses in the world that he's played, and he's not being paid to do that, there's no reason for him to do that, you know that this is a very, very special property. And that was the overwhelming message that I walked away from. It was an absolute privilege and a pleasure to be able to walk in the footsteps of the guys that had gone before on this golf course. And it did not disappoint in one iota. It was fantastic.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I mean, from just from the, the flyovers and the images that I've seen, I mean, that you you really do get that sense of just this, it's a very special uh, piece of ground that really I think you only can find on the west coast of Ireland. I mean, there's so many courses down this coastline that in terms of the 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 visually, just how they look. I mean, they're so photogenic and breathtaking in terms of the visuals. Uh, and that is, I think, unmatched anywhere else in the world. And um, that's why people flock to the, these small towns and villages like Lahinch to experience these courses. But obviously we, we touched on there the great history of the place, going back to old Tom Morris and all the, the genius hands that have touched this layout and this land through the the generations and the decades and all this can be documented in greater detail in a wonderful book that was released by Lahinch Golf Club as part of their 125th uh, anniversary celebrations uh, they were formed back in 1892 and um, this book is called 125 years of golf at Lahinch and it's available from the Lahinch Golf Club website and uh, I would certainly recommend it I know Andy you have Got a copy yourself? You got one when you were there, and I know you would uh, heartily endorse this book as really supplementing the the experience of visiting this place and, and playing there, and just learning more about the story behind it. And there's a great deal of rich detail uh, to be enjoyed there. But I know one particular story within that book. Um, for you, demonstrated the unique relationship that this course has with the village of Lahinch, which is only really has a population of around 600 or so, a very small place, but one that is intrinsically linked to its uh, quite magical seaside course. So what was that story you wanted to share?
1: Yeah, it, it, I found it really difficult when I was writing about the review to adequately describe the relationship between the town and the golf course because there's a complete, it's completely symbiotic. The town and the golf course are almost one and the same. And it, it's not unusual to see guys walking in the town centre with a set of golf clubs on the back. That's not unusual in itself. But there's a, there's a heartbeat and a rhythm to both. And I found it incredibly difficult to describe. And then I came across this story, which was basically an interview with, um, with Graham McDowell. Now, there there is a a, a very esteemed um, event that's been run at Lahinch since uh, the early nineteen hundreds, um, which is the South of Ireland Amateur Championship, and the list of uh, combatants and previous winners that have then gone on to become global golfing stars it's just unbelievable uh, and it is almost a rite of passage for amateur golfers global um, amateur golfers and there's a, an interview in there that's detailed with Graham McDowell describing his experiences when he won the uh, South of Amateur Championship in the year 2000 and um, it, it perfectly illustrates what this what the town and the club and the course is to each other. And he says, it was my 21st birthday, the Sunday of that week, the second day in the South. I remember it as a quite bizarre week on a lot of levels. There were four of us sharing one room in a bed and breakfast. We used to bed and breakfast with the only ranger supporter within a 50-mile radius, We just (laughs) randomly happened upon this Scottish lad who owned the place with his wife, married an Irish girl and stayed down there. And he talks about playing um, with his roommate, Ricky Elliott. Um, now, Ricky Elliott later went on to Caddy for uh, Ben Curtis, Bruce Koepka, um And they ended up playing each other in the last 32 on the Monday afternoon. And he, he describes going out there with this massive storm on the horizon. And that resonated for me because as we were getting ready to go and play, you could literally see this storm on the horizon looming large towards. Um, and he says, I could see it coming. It blew a hoolie, lashed down all afternoon. Um, and he describes how he finished this competition with no single spectator Anywhere in sight. They were the only two lunatics <laughs> foolish enough to be out in this weather playing this competition. And he ends up beating his friend on the 16th, right down by the wall, which is part of the outer bounds boundary of that particular hole. So, having won the game, they both hopped over the wall in order to make the quickest way back into the clubhouse. Uh, and thumbed a lift back to the clubhouse from a passing car that was down there and he says it's just one of those random moments in an Irish tournament we could have said anything happened we could have walked in after nine and just put it for the qualification Um, and that in itself as a a little wee story it just sort of embodies to me what this place is about he then goes on to discuss how when he won this event he was then given uh, an invitation by Shell to go into the Shell Houston Open um, and he says that uh, it was his first ever pro tournament as a result of winning the amateur south he'd never even been to a PGA event before that mm. never mind getting an invite to play in it and he uh, it, it talks about that there was an agreement between the two of them that as they were playing the following day in a, a, a later year on, um, they ended up flipping a coin to decide whether or not they were going to have an early night or go for a drink in the town. And he said they were passing Kenny's Bar on the main street, flip this coin, heads for beds, tails for another pint. No matter the result, we went in for the pint anyway because it was my 21st birthday. <laughs> they had an agreement because they were playing the following day that whatever McDowell drank, his playing partner had to drink as well to ensure that they were both equally as hungover the following day. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, in describing La Hinch, it was a class golf course. Uh, He describes the Klondike and the Dell as being absolutely great golf holes. And he sums it up by saying, I love the course. I love the people. I love the town. I also loved my time winning the amateur South of Ireland competition." And when you think to where he's progressed to and where he's gone, mm-hmm. for me, that little story, that little vignette of his experiences as an amateur golfer, the fact that there's four of them in a and b room and all the rest of it, it really sums up what the course means to the elite golfers, the amateur golfers, but also to me as a very much an average golfer, it, it just... There's an atmosphere to the place that I, f- I still find it very difficult to describe. Um, there's all kinds of quirky little things. There's a barometer that's been hanging on the wall in the clubhouse um, for years and years and years. Um, and the barometer's not worked for years and years and years. And there's just a sign that's been painted on it by the secretary that says, See Goats. And it's like, What? And the the story is that one of the caddies in the late 30s brought goats onto the course in order to help with sort of keeping um, down certain of the grasses and what have you. And if the goats were visible, then it meant the weather was going to be good. If the goats took cover, it meant that the weather was going to be cold. They uh, were going to be poor, and that was the indicator. And still to this day the you'll uh, the coat of arms for the the place features the goats there's a massive uh bronze sculpture as you drive into the place in the car park of the goat and it, it's it's how they've adapted all of these historic resonances into the modern golf course that that there is now there's uh references to the Scottish thistle which takes back to the time when the black Watch was involved um and it's just for me, it's how the tradition and history is maintained and referenced. And yet when you arrive at the place, the facilities are just simply superb and it is modern, comfortable. The clubhouse is superb. The food is excellent. Um, the experience with the, the caddies, um, and getting allocated, uh, the tea times and being, um, Shown the best lines, uh, from the tees and things like that. That in itself was, uh, a superb experience. Um, so it was, um, I'm rabbiting. You. I'm, I'm going to shut you up and let you ask a question. I'm sorry. You you just hit the button and I just went off on one there. Didn't I? I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no. I th- I think your your passion uh, it, it just shows you know how much this golf course and this town and everything around it just connected with you when you were there. And for me, it's a perfect example of the of the experience of connecting with the heart and soul of the game, which you don't know if you're going to have that experience until you're actually in it. And it's a very rare thing. And when you're there, when you ha- you have that opportunity, you can sense it, you can feel it, and it's something that is unforgettable and it reminds you of what the game is truly about. And I mean, to have you know, what you're describing there, it just sounds so good. And if you don't find it inspiring, then you're completely lacking in imagination. Just it just sounds so wonderful and fun and just intoxicating in terms of the just the overall, you know, the, the it's the feel of the place. And um, it's very inspiring indeed. And actually, you mentioned the, the Graham McDowell story there. And of course, as I said I would encourage anybody to to go and buy the book from the Hinch website. Uh, it's available for 50 euro, a lovely kind of coffee table style design. Very, very attractive book. And um, again, more basically enhancing what you're hearing from from, from Andy and on this week's podcast. But um, and talking of Graham McDowell, he's actually in the field. At the Irish Open this week so perhaps he'll go back to Kenny's bar and emulate the days gone by I don't know or maybe he'll just uh, now he's a bit older perhaps those days are a little bit behind him maybe an early night is perhaps uh, best prescribed for him but uh, it was a great field for that event and you obviously you mentioned that the caliber of the golf course and I think that's you know illustrated by the quality of the field I see you have Graham McDowell There you have John Ram Tommy Fleetwood Loie Westhazen Matt Wallace Ian Poulter uh, Eddie Purple's there Martin Keimer Danny Willett Lee Westwood I mean it's just a great great field of uh, great names of the European tour and uh, they're going to play a a venue that's going to be truly spectacular so um, yeah I mean we can delve into so many other aspects around Hinch, but I think looking at the golf course just now I say the history you can delve into that through the book and again Andy's review on the Golf Shape website, which we'll link to as well, it, again, provides more colour behind so much of this uh, rich kind of culture. Is, is this a, it's a course It's part of the local culture and the local uh, feel of the whole town. So it's, um, again, it comes back to that idea where these courses are, in so many ways, the heart of the community. And you see that across so many parts of the British Isles. And, and Ireland is no exception. Perhaps it's even maybe the best example of that. And La is certainly one of those. So, Andy, in terms of the golf course itself, obviously, when you go there, you mentioned how the, the facilities there integrate the tradition with the modern amenities and really create a, a seamless feel to that aspect of it. But the golf course itself, you know, as obviously it's, it's, it's traditional, it takes full advantage of the, the natural rolling terrain, which does lend itself to some people would look at it as being quirky in some aspects. But I think it's... Um, this merely enhances the experience of playing here. You have to embrace the, the randomness, the the, 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 you know, the blind shots, that, that strategic way of the the course plays, and obviously the, the conditions will lend itself to that even more so. So, in terms of playing the golf course, in terms of the the shots, in terms of the, the, the certain holes, what were the the highlights of the golf course for you when you had the chance to play? Um
1: the first the first hole is really really interesting um as, as you walk up the fairway and you look to your left and there's the atlantic ocean and literally you've got a golf course you've got the Outer of signs and then you've got a surf school i hadn't appreciated that you've got world-class surfing literally on the doorstep of this golf course um to such an extent that the the guy who was driving the coach for us that took us to that was a very keen surfer and as soon as he knew that he was driving a a coach party uh, to that location he'd taken his dry suit with him and while we were golfing went out surfing in the snow (laughs) he's a brave guy it it was it was a complete nutter we we did check on his sobriety for we let him get back to drivers on the bus but that just sums the place up that you've got this kind of activity and literally there were there were people from all over the world that were coming for the surfing never mind for the quality of the golf um and the views as you start making your way up that first fairway as you look over to the left and you can you can smell the sea you can you can see it you can hear it it's phenomenal um the the whole klondike the fourth is simply stunning one of the things in the book that the book does brilliantly the imagery and the photographs in there are absolutely stunning I I included a lot more pictures and a lot more video in the review that we've done because simply there are some views around this course that you they're just jaw dropping. They are just absolutely they just stop you in your tracks. And the the tee box for Klondike, you literally you walk off the end of the box and it's the biggest water hazard in the world because it's the Atlantic. <laughs> uh, but to then adapt your golf game to the weather conditions that are prevalent at that particular time. If the wind's with you um, and God is smiling, up, the golfing gods are smiling upon you, it's wonderful. You'll be able to ride the wind. If it's not, my goodness me, is it a challenge? And it's <laughs> it's all about being able to adapt your ball flight. Um, I, I played hybrids into 160-yard par threes, and I played wedges that went 200 yards. It it, it was astonishing. It's a completely... If you're used to playing parkland or inland courses, it's a completely different style of golf, Um, but utterly pleasurable, utterly pleasurable. Um, Right. Sorry, I'll get back on track again. The Klondike, the 4th. 475 yards from the back tees um it is just quite memorable i can actually as i'm talking to you now picture in my mind's eye the feelings as we approached that tee box because at the time um i did genuinely wonder whether or not we were going to be able to finish the round because the hail was coming in sideways my face was red and beaten and it wasn't a matter of, I'm, I want to get off the golf course. It was a matter of, am I physically capable of being able to survive in these conditions? But then within two holes, everything had completely changed again. The wind was with. And that was the only time that I ever gave any consideration to that. I couldn't actually cope with the conditions. Um the the use of a of the flagman as i mentioned before that they've even got a little shelter built into the you can, what would you describe it it's like a it's the top of a dune that's akin to a small mountain but he he's provided shelter from the winds in this little uh, and uses the flags to be able to indicate the pin positions and the areas where you need to be targeting to go over the hill uh, and he then uses the flag system uh, to determine whether or not golfers who are crossing the fairway that you're travelling over whether or not it's safe for them to do so it it's <laughs> It's really good. And the fact that I parred that particular hole is something that I'll take with me hey. to the grave.
0: <laughs> you had to mention that, of course, yes. Hey, I,
1: I didn't get that many pars that day, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to mention that one most definitely.
0: Yeah. I think clearly you, you earned that par, and that's probably fair to say. Um, it was you five- also three. mentioned a, a wonderful hole, uh, the par 3, the 5th. Dell which you described in the review as a, an absolute gem with a blind tee shot and um, you had the horizontal hailstones in your face and the, the hybrid under, under the wind and so on but you you felt it was um, a wonderful golf and you described it as being feeling like you were playing golf in a museum which yeah. is a wonderful phrase but uh, d- describe that for me.
1: Well the the only way to be able to assess where the flagstick is positioned on the green is to look at a big white uh, stone that's placed on the hillside to indicate the position of the flagstick for that day. So it literally moves. Whenever the flag moves, the positions of the stone, and that indicates where you need to be going over. But because of the wind conditions, I, I'm aiming sort of way right at that with a hybrid that I'd normally expect to hit 220 yards into 150 yard green. Um, and the fact that with the shape and being able to run it through and with the strength of the wind and everything else that it ended up on the green. Um, and I did walk off with a par is, is, it's just special. They, it's the sort of things that will go in my lifetime golfing scrapbook. The memories of being stood on those tees, those shots that <sighs> fitted the the experience and fitted the requirement, and to be able to walk away with them and to stick them into my back pocket, yeah, special, very very special. Um, the the other big advantage I had with this review is that. Um, couple of years ago uh, we did a podcast about it i went out to to play tpc sawgrass having won a mm-hmm. uh, event with the hole in one club and the winner of that tournament over there was a wonderful gentleman called mr bill noon uh, as the uh, at the backdrop at tpc sawgrass as they announced uh Whose are these clubs uh, mr no one mr no one um and Bill won this, but he is actually a member at Lahinch, Hinch. So I've had, it's not just the benefit of my playing experience, but I've, I've spoken to him and he's given me the input of his almost lifetime's experience of playing the course. Um, and his piece of advice that he gave to me before I set foot was, if you're in two minds as to whether or not to play a wedge or a, a running shot, Don't do either. Take a putter.
0: Yes. That's the way to play. Yes. And
1: keep the ball on the ground and use the contours. Use the ground. Use what Mother Nature's provided you. And it it was a cracky piece of advice. Um, And I, I did try and follow with it. And for me, entirely enjoyable experience.
0: Well, I, I do recall imparting a similar word of advice to you when playing the old course at St Andrews, but that's going to be a subject of a future podcast. But um, yes, yes. If, if in doubt, get the putter out. That's always the mantra <laughs> for uh, yeah. playing seaside golf. It's always the way to go. Use the ground, use the natural terrain. It's there. Make mm-hmm. the ground your friend. And uh, I think... Um, the ground at La Hinch will make a lot of friends during the Irish Open. So just generally... I, I can't wait. I just cannot wait for the
1: TV coverage because if Sky do it right and they are very, very good at their coverage, mm-hmm. I think there are people all over the world that are going to be astonished at how good this place is. Um, if the weather is... I've looked at the forecast and the weather looks as though it's going to be benign. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would love is three days of beautiful summer sunshine and one day of really vicious weather because that would sort the men from the
0: boys. It certainly would. So just talking about the Irish Open and watching the, the tournament generally, having obviously walked this golf course, played this golf course, experienced this golf course and just relishing in those memories, what are you most looking forward to seeing the best players in the world do? Lahinch, what shots? What holes? What What are you wanting to see these guys do when they're there?
1: I th- it's going to be about creativity. Um, I was immensely impressed with John Rahm when he um, won the Irish Open when it was played at Port uh, Stewart. Yeah, Port Stewart. He initially started to overpower the golf course, but then having used his length to put himself into positions, he then adapted and used the course to his advantage. The only, the person who wins this tournament will be the person who uses the course and befriends it. Um, there's It's not a place for aerial golf. It's not a place for uh, T to green. What's the distance, right? Bang on. Um, I think it will be one of the home international golfers who are playing in it that will succeed. Certainly European golfers. I I don't see that there are going to be any of the Americans that are coming over that's going to um, succeed because you'd need to be adapted to that style of golf. Um, Using the blind holes, it'll be interesting to see how many people use the local caddies Mm -hmm. um obviously these pro golfers will tend to use their own caddies um, and i would love to be a fly on the wall for um for the conversations as a a new caddy approaches it (laughs) um i I really don't know that would be a massive challenge um because it's such a it's such a unique golf course in its styling um for the professional golfer um and the conditioning will be such that there there will be some bad bouncers and it's whoever copes best with the little bit of bad luck. So even when you play a good shot, you'll be penalised. But for me, that's Lynx golf and it's how they adapt to that will be um, as to who um, is successful. Um, the eighth hole, Crater, uh, par three, an absolute stunner. It depends on the weather because it's very, very close to the to the coast, very close to the sea, very close to the beach. Um, if the wind gets up, that could be an absolute beast to play. If it's benign, the quality of the green and how receptive it is given the weather that we've had, uh, that could be, um, the pro golfers could eat that up. Um... There's the ninth hole is a beauty. Um, as you stand on the elevated tee, you're looking towards the Clare Hills, um, and it, it, there's just a panorama. I I haven't got the capability to be able to describe how good that view is of the golf course. There are some brilliant images in the book that we've talked about, and we've managed to get some flyover videos of it as well that give a little bit of a look, uh, a a bit of an idea as to the quality of this. The best way I can think of describing it, it's um, if you were the size of a mouse, look at a bed, where all the sheets have been ruffled and left after someone slept in it, and that's what the landscape <laughs> looks like oh. and and that, that's a that's the best I can come up with um but it it's uh it did genuinely that was what sort of um came to mind the ruffled the ruffled blanket look.
0: Um, well, I see, Andy, they, you, you have a very unique mind, but that is a very descriptive way of uh, putting it, and I think it actually captures what you're trying to say. I mean, that's a wonderful, wonderful metaphor, I think it's fair to say, for uh, for the views that you get there. And, um, yeah, so actually mentioning the, you mentioned the, the caddies, the local caddies there who might be deployed, and certainly I think some of the actual tour caddies might be seeking them out for some advice or a, a little bit of a local knowledge or two. And some of these caddies mm-hmm. are featured in a, in a film that I know you've seen and you're going to be reviewing for Golf Shake as well, which is Loopers, uh, the caddies' long walk, uh, which more or less captures mm. the bond between the players and caddies across all courses around the world and and tells their special stories. And I know Lahinch, the caddies there, uh, are featured as part of that film. So would you mind sharing a little bit about um, what their stories were like and how that, I guess, continues that theme of this course being an integral part of this community
1: yeah yeah it, it, it's a super film it really is an excellent documentary and it's not just one that will be um, of singular interest to golfers because the way that it's done and the commentary that's provided by Bill Murray it it, 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 it it's a very interesting piece of Golfing heritage recorded in a documentary form, um, but they they're very, very cleverly they've picked out a number of caddies, professional caddies who operated from Balibunya and St Andrews, but in particular there's a host of interviews that's been done uh, on the the patio at the Hinch with some of the professional caddies at the Hinch. Um, I'm not going to spoil some of the stories, but there is some absolute. Belters that the guys have have told. Um, there's, I will give one spoiler. There's there, there's there's one particular caddy who was um, who was known uh, by his gait because wherever he walked and whenever he caddied, even if he'd been what, looping, as in two loops, two eighteens, um, he would. If he'd had a successful day, he would limp on days that were less successful he was seen walking in the town without any limp nobody could understand and this went on for months and months and it turned out that uh, this guy's security method whenever he'd been paid he'd put his money in his <laughs> left shoe underneath <laughs> his foot and that was that was the reason why on some days he would limp and on others he wouldn't because he he, he, he didn't want to be robbed so, and it, it, there's loads of quirky little stories like this with the characters and how they evolved these characters these caddies from Carnoustie and how 300 of them went to emigrate over to America and, and basically were responsible for introducing the game of golf to the states uh, and, and there's it's a f- uh, a fabulous historical document uh i'm really enjoying actually writing the review because it's given me lots of uh, excuses for watching and rewatching <laughs> this thing so um when it's done um I, I think people will find it very very uh interesting very oh interesting. oh, definitely
0: and i think it uh, merely just uh illustrates the, the standing that Lahinch Hinch has in the game, that it was part of this documentary. And it was featured alongside all these other venues too, and the, the stories there, uh, again, just encapsulate, for me, you know what the game should be about. Uh, getting back to that, not so much... Uh, it's getting to the heart and soul of the game, you know the uh, more of an, an authentic feel, and I think La Hinch is clearly a, a demonstration of that, and I'm, and I'm sure everybody's going to love watching the Irish Open, I'm eagerly anticipating it. And I think um, if listening to this podcast and reading the review on Golf Shake and watching the Irish Open, if you're not, therefore, already imminently, immediately planning your golf break to La Hinch in the west of Ireland, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? So, people, please,
1: listen.
0: Well,
1: let me me throw in another additional hook for this. McGinley, Paul McGinley is sponsoring and promoting the event. Pareg Harrington has explained that he, the reason why it's such a stellar quality field is that all of the golfers that are playing in the event recognise how important the social side and the town is to the tournament itself and having the crack and being able to use the fantastic restaurants the brilliant pubs, the live music, literally you can walk through the town and decide where you're going to drink by listening to where, <laughs> the music that you fancy Go to no jukeboxes. or <laughs> live there's there's nightclubs um it's the stag party and hen party capital of ireland um there's a whole host of um different activities that are linked in with that Uh, they're even doing father ted packages that you can get all based in Lahinch. i know it's crazy but but when you get this mix of the brilliant golf the brilliant tradition, the brilliant town, and the brilliant social, and the crack and the food, for me on a personal level, you struggle to get you struggle to get better than that for a golfing it, yeah, experience. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's fair to say La Hinch is pretty good. I think that seems to be the consensus here. So it's quite incredible. I mean, I I'm, sign me up. You know, the father, the father Ted experience alone. I'm going for that. You know. it's um, the golf can be an extra. But I'm going for that. So yeah, I mean, incredible. And uh, you know, I'd love to delve into. It. We can obviously we can talk about this forever, and I'm sure we will revisit it. And in future, I think we'll have another podcast dedicated to the West of Ireland and the Wild Atlantic Way and all of those things. But time, unfortunately, is our enemy when discussing these extraordinary venues that um, you've had the the great what a joy to go and experience these places and uh what a privilege and just how deeply fortunate you are to go to these places and to play here and um wow and and to walk in the footsteps of history and, and to be able to share that with us i mean wow what a what a place and um you know it's just finally then so give us your um your parting thoughts and i think you've pretty much sold it to anyone listening but uh if someone came to you and said, should I go to La Hinch Golf Club, what's going to be my my main impression coming from that? What was your main impression then? How would you sell it to someone who came to ask you about La Hinch in a, a brief form?
1: Um, if I had to cycle there to play another round at that golf course from the Midlands, <laughs> I would
0: do Across the Irish Sea.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, well, there's lots of ferries. That's true. <laughs> And genuinely, um, it is an absolutely stunning venue. And I just hope that the Sky coverage is able to sort of dip into and cover everything else that goes with the Golf that makes it into the wonderful package that it is. Um, I, I think it will do because as soon as people see it, the imagery and the sounds and the smells and the sensual, just the, the sense of playing this place is phenomenal. Mm. You then link it in with everything else. Um, I'm, I'm going to pinch the Nike line. Just do it <laughs> if you've got the opportunity to go and play at La Hinge, do it. I, I've I'm already looking because it's made such an impression on me I'm already looking at ways in which I can return mm. to take my son because I want him to have the opportunity to experience that location in the manner that I did because I got so much from it
0: oh and I think there's no better validation than that and in terms of the wider area you have other courses in the region including Ballad Bunyan, in Adair Manor, uh, Waterville, Old Head they're all there for the a wonderful stretch of coastline and a bit inland too and just a, a paradise, paradise for golfers and um, I think La is a, perhaps the, might even be the, the highlight of it, might even be the jewel in what is a, a very formidable crown indeed. So Andy I've enjoyed listening to your your tales of La and the, your experiences there. I think one thing too, I think the what you were describing there was a, a sensory experience—just the smell and the sound and the, the, the look and the visuals—that it just it connects with everything and um, every part of the senses and just leaves with obviously an indelible memory. So, yeah, it's uh, you've sold it to me, and uh, I think anyone listening to this will feel exactly the same. So, if you're watching the Irish Open, I hope you all enjoy it, and um, uh, again, hopefully, that will just share a little bit. Uh, and add a little bit to what you've heard on this podcast here. So, Andy, as always, thank you for your time because it's been an absolute joy to hear about La and to get a bit of insight behind what uh, the European tour players are going to experience when they, they visit the west of Ireland, from the golf course to the town itself to the pubs to the Father Ted experience. I mean, it's all there. There's a lot to enjoy, and uh, it's been wonderful to hear about it. So, everybody... Um, Thank you, as always, uh, for listening uh, to the Golf Shake podcast. As I say, it's a, a feast of Lynx golf uh, throughout the coming weeks. So if you are out playing on the seaside or indeed land anywhere, don't forget to record your scores and stats on the Golf Shake score tracker. Uh, and there's an awful lot to keep up with uh, on Golf Shake this summer, from Andy's course reviews to all of our various course features and travel and tuition and news and your content is all there to be consumed. So keep your eye out on the website. There's plenty of competitions there as well. Our newsletters, and of course, our social media ch- channels. And as always on Golf Shake, we want you to play more and to play better. My name is Kieran Clark, and I was alongside Golf Shake Ambassador Andrew Pickin. Until next time, thank you for listening.